Welcome back. I am your host, Emily Schramm, and I am so excited about today's episode. I want to first talk about, um, God, there's so much I want to talk about. How am I going to fit this in an intro? I'm overwhelmed. (laughs) Okay, so first, I'm Emily Schramm, nutritional therapy practitioner and entrepreneur. I just love helping people. I seriously do. It's my life calling. It's my life work. And I cannot wait for you to tap into all the badassery that you are capable of tapping into. And I just think what is so inspiring is seeing you guys tap into it and own it and embrace it. And I love, oh my God, when you guys post about listening to my podcast and when you share it and you tag me, I just, I don't think you guys realize how much it means. It's so cool. It's just sometimes I'm talking to a speaker and I kind of separate myself from being right there with you, but I am right there with you and you're the reason that I'm able to do that. So I just want to say how freaking cool this podcast is. And Meathead Hippie, obviously there's some Meathead strength stuff, dig into the archives, lots of educational stuff. But today is so special because I just feel like Amy Jo Martin, one of my favorite humans in the world, recently met her at an Evra Evra event for UC Health Denver, and we spoke on a panel together and just was so, I just want to hang out with her all the time, and I think you can tell by that. And both of us, she has a podcast called Why Not Now that I was recently on, and I think we just want to hang out with each other. So any excuse to do that is great. And what's so funny is we're both in this place of like, cut the bullshit. If it doesn't feel good, it's out. And I just said this on my stories the other day about adrenal stress and about really kind of figuring out what makes me fatigued. And I can take all the supplements in the world, but until I really figure out what my alignment is and what I'm supposed to be doing and what I'm doing because I think I should, but not because I need it, it's so powerful because we're exhausted, all of us. And so it's not just about this uh, system and bodies and organs. It's a lot of this energy we carry. And I said this in the stories because I think this has been the most helpful tool for me is, and I did this with my business clients that I have never had before, but I'm so excited because it's like, all we talk about is hippy dippy shit because that's where the work for businesses is. And it's, it splits off. It's, um, you literally say, okay, is this invigorating or is this exhausting? And I don't think we realize it until we leave, but empaths pick it up a little bit sooner. And if not, you just look at your calendar at the end of the day and like, wow, am I, why am I so tired? And then you're like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense because I left that interview and I felt like shit or, oh God, that was so hard to get through. And I just, that really took all my energy. You can see, oh wow, when I finished that, what was the feeling? Was I invigorated or was I exhausted? And those things that make us feel exhausted, we tend to just think that maybe we're the problem. We think that maybe there's something wrong with us or maybe it's something we have to do. And I'm not saying like you stop everything, right? But there are ways to figure out how to get more of the invigorating and less of the exhausting, no matter what career you you are in. And so that has been very powerful for me to only see the good and really blossom and grow in this place that that I am right now. And quite frankly, I just don't want to interview people anymore. I want to have good conversations with people. And Amy Jo Martin showed up in my life and just has been in Denver because she has had this, oh my God, she's such a badass. You're going to learn about this. But her baby Link, who came a little bit early while she was in Denver on a layover on a United flight and ended up being here. And just the story of her growth and her even taking the time to talk to me is just incredible. So I want to talk about some of the stuff we talked about, and then I'm going to give you her very official badass bio, like just to give you some context of who this woman is. (laughs) Um, I listened to one of her TED Talks about how she said something, it just hooked me. And she said that basically she was chasing the carrot and she doesn't even like carrots. So learning about the chase and success and the grind, but so quickly losing our purpose. And we talk about the purpose problem. Why do we have it and what can we do about it? Um, Something that I know her her dear friend or her friend that she's interviewed as well on Why Not Now, Simon Sinek, has talked about quite a bit. We talk about resistance. Do we push it away or do we let it go? Do we push through it or do we let it go? 
And really this beautiful thing of intention, which I keep talking about over and over again, what is my intention? When I have anxiety uh, and I'm looking to do something, why am I looking to do something? Well, usually to run away from this anxiety, right? So we're trying to say, let's live better lives. And that means being more intentional with everything you do. And I think that means being very conscious and aware of our posts and our time on social media and our conversations, not being frivolous with them, just having more intention and how that's up-leveled my life in so many ways in even the smallest capacity. I am listening more, I am hearing more, and I am aware of so much more. And I just think there's something really powerful going on for a lot of us, whether it's this strawberry full moon we just had or whether it's just we're sick of the shit and we're ready for something more. I don't know what it is, but I am with you and I hear it. And I would love to keep hearing that you are hearing it as well because it gives me such, uh, such like, you know, fuel to the flame because sometimes in my own little world, sitting in my little office slash, uh, I wish you could see this, not an office with tarot cards next to me with my altar, with my cat, with my bookshelf behind me. Um, it's, you know, I don't, I just don't know. (laughs) So let me know if you're feeling this, I would love it because it's just, I'm feeling it. And I'm going to keep doing it. So if you hate it, I guess I, I really don't care. But uh, just meathead hippies, unite. <laughs> um, okay, lots of things going on. Uh, Empirica supplement line. We are back in stock. MyEmpirica.com. Please go watch my Facebook group, Facebook Live. Do not get supplements unless you're like, yes, that's for me. There are definitely general supp- supplements for everybody, like D3 and K2 and magnesium and fish oil. Uh, And for me, Vital Bees, I think that's a a must-have for all of us. But it is really good to understand the whys and also to learn more about things like digestive health and adrenal health and stress responses. So be sure you take a gander at the top of the Facebook page group, which is linked below. And uh, there's so many other things, but I'm at seven and a half minutes and I'm going to get to Amy Jo because this woman needs to be gotten to. She's Freaking amazing. Okay, so she started, Amy Jo Martin, she's an author, she's a speaker, an entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of Digital Royalty. Uh, She also has this amazing new boot camp for business owners as well, which we talk about in this uh, podcast. Digital Royalty is a social media and education company that helps individuals, brands, um, individuals and brands build, measure, and monetize their digital universe. And it's just so wonderful because she started in advertisement at a firm working for NBA, having these incredible clients, and then realized I need lots more purpose behind this. And so she went and found it and um, has been doing it since 2009. And that's just incredible to just think about, you know, in a world of social media in 2009 to be like basically the first one to do it. Some of her clients have been Dwayne Johnson, uh, UFC championship, Doubletree by Hilton, Self Magazine, Fox Sports. It's just incredible. Like this woman has been doing it for so long. So it's so amazing to see this perspective of social media and the split personality that can happen. And I just think you're going to freaking love it. And I'm going to stop talking so that you can finally listen. And please let me know what you think. <laughs> I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. Joe Martin, I just can't wait because I feel like we get to continue our amazing podcast that you hosted uh, on the Why Not Now podcast. And it's just so amazing talking to you. And we were talking before we hit record that really just craving good conversation and depth and you are all of that. And so thank you for coming on to Meathead Hippie. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. It's it's such a relief to know you just get to chit chat and have a conversation. And I think the world is fatigued by the formal interview. So here we go. And and I myself am fatigued by the formal interview. So it's perfect. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, and I was thinking like the theme of my week, and I just would love to jump into this and just have a conversation about it, about something that I know you know well and have worked with, with either yourself or the people you are working with, the clients you are working for, the, the word resistance and how to remember or how to know and how to feel when we fight it or when we let it go. Like when, when does resistance mean that it's not for us or when does resistance mean that we have to push through? And I just keep having this show up for me of this moment of this doesn't feel right or God, this is so hard and this is so heavy. And I think intuitively some of us are just go-getters and we're like, yes, we'll take it, bring it. I want to push through it. I want to go. I can conquer anything. And when I conquer something, I'm going to conquer the next thing. And it's this ongoing cycle of conquering resistance. But then, you know, that leaves us where? It leaves us so exhausted and broken and tired and kind of at square one of we're on the mountain, but we still have more, more climbs to follow. And I just am curious your thoughts on how to approach resistance, whether it's with yourself or with clients of, does that resistance mean that we need to let it go? Does that resistance mean we're doing the wrong thing? What does resistance mean to you? Hmm. Oh, that's a fun place to start. What a good question. It's, oh, I feel like it's super top of mind lately, but I think it will be a life, it will be a lifelong journey for me to kind of learn when to push on the gas and when to ease up because historically I've been the queen of forcing things and making them happen. And, um, and I took pride in that. It was like, oh yeah, I can make this happen. And, and sometimes every sign in the world was saying, hold up, you turn red light. And I was like, nope, I can, I can do it. And sometimes when you do that, you get home runs and sometimes you crash and burn. And so any percentage of crashing and burning isn't very fun. So the more we can change those, those odds, the better. So I think it's been one of my biggest lessons over the last five or six years in trying to understand what this whole intuition thing means, mm. you know, if someone would have said, well, what's your intuition say? What's your gut say? Three, four, five years ago, I would probably roll my eyes and <laughs> be like, should we get out a magic eight ball? Like, what do you, <laughs> what do you mean? Tarot cards, what do you, and gosh, I, I have found that um, I'm such a pendulum swinger when I let myself from, oh, spreadsheet girl, black and white, analytical, force it strategy to the other side, which is let it be and let's meditate on it. And what's my intuition say and feeling and ease up and Zen. And really I'm the best version of me is not either. It really truly is the combo. And so I'm trying to put my own little formula together because I've seen both and not a good look. So yeah, Gosh, it, it really is an art and a science, I think, of understanding resistance and when to listen to it and take the cues of easing up and then listen more. And then other times where there's like healthy resistance, mm -hmm. it's like lean. Oh gosh, am I about to use the lean in term? It truly is this here to fuel, um, and sometimes I think it's asking the right questions mm. instead of why me? Why is this so hard? What is this here to teach me? What would it look like if this were easy? All the questions that I hear mentors and brilliant minds surface. It's like, oh, those are, those are good ones to ask. Mm. I love that. And I think it's true. It's this, what you said about the science of when we get stuck maybe on one side or the other, then we're back in this kind of state of gray of terrifying anxiety and ah, I'm not doing either of it right or I'm not doing any of it right because so many times there's a different answer for every situation. Um, and I always say, yeah, like, you really have to fall off the cliff in order to know what your cliff is, right? You have to fall off of it 
and I had to fall off of it quite a few times in order for me to know that that was my meter and that was my level. And that's not something anyone can teach you. That's not something we learn with books or podcasts. It's just something we know, oh my God, I, I just went too far. And I know you you were talking about this in your TED Talk that I was listening to of really the signs of like, stop, 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 universe, U-turn, U-turn, and how much we ignore them and how the word balance like was screeching on a, on a chalkboard of just like, I hate that word. That's such a BS word, you know? And so I'm curious for you in working with entrepreneurs and young, young entrepreneurs in whatever sense of the word that means, uh, when you're saying those symptoms and signs for you, what does it, what does it look like to stop and be still when you know you need to? What does it feel like and what do you do and what are those practices that now that we've learned how to listen to those signs, what's kind of your go-to protocol of like, I am either one, I'm falling off the cliff and this is what it looks like and two, this is how I get back to, to on the edge of the cliff but not falling off. Great question again. Um, I'm like thinking through, hmm, how do I approach that? I'm thinking too. <laughs> we ask what we need to hear and learn, right? Mm -hmm. So I think for so long, I overcorrected on the masculine energy side because I worked in professional sports and I really thought um, that's how you play the game. Mm. So it was strategic for me and I. I think I might skew a little bit more masculine anyway in terms of traits. So I'm like, okay, this works for me and I can take things too far quickly. Um, and when that happens, though, we lose touch of our genuine kind of genius, I think, where, mm. where we really thrive, that swim lane. And I think the, um, the signs have always been there. It's just tuning in and trying to understand how this is going to sound fluffy but how my soul is trying to speak to me mm. and sometimes I think it's trying to scream and I had earmuffs on um, but it becomes its own strategy and that becomes data too and I I guess meditation and all the boxes you would check as a normal a little bit more spiritual in touch regimen I do those, but I think I'm, I'm still a pretty analytical spreadsheet girl. And if I can take moments to check in and just stop for a minute, it can be literally a minute. I think I've been able to optimize. It used to, took, it used to take 20 minutes mm -hmm. during maybe a TM meditation or, um, you know, finding like ways to stop and take a vacation or something. And I think it just gets a little bit quicker and it's like, Oh, I can do this a lot quicker than I used to. I don't have to go to Hawaii and sit on to a beach and be it. checked out for, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for a week to be able to hear what I'm trying to tell myself. So, um, so it's just, I think it's being willing to learn and willing to practice and just knowing there's no right way. Mm. There's really no right way. And I think our society romanticizes a right way. And it just doesn't really exist. It doesn't. Yeah. In anything. We just, we always, I don't know why we're, we're such creatures of needing direct answer, right? Like, I need the solution. I need the supplement. I need the, the protocol, the meal plan. And I wonder if it's almost like a sense of, we, we have to know that at this point, that isn't how it works. Yet in any realm, we look for it, like the business solution or the, the uh, weight loss solution or the get strong solution, you know, and we learn in our own way and in our own time that, oh, wait, it's just like any plant. It takes a lot of time to root and it takes a lot of time to grow. But yet we still get to that kind of like sense of urgency and I was just thinking, like, watching my plants grow, I'm like, why do I fight nature? Why are we, we, you know, I'm just, like, born into this world ready for the next. And I don't know if that's 
actually nature or if it's nurture. I think it's just what we're surrounded by. We're surrounded by speed and quickness and uh, fast and faster and quicker and better. And it's like, why are we getting so far away from what we like you watching link grow like this is you can't rush this right and for me and my plans like oh my god why do i fight this in every other aspect of my life when i know that that is not the case and uh so that's the work for me too of like that patience of knowing that takes time and you know nobody wants to hear it but it's like well why don't we want to hear it if it's the thing that we need to know the most <laughs> so yes, uh, yes. The pacing, that has been a word that keeps surfacing. Mm. I mean, for someone who thought this was all woo-woo talk, you know, X amount of years ago, and I love the name of your podcast because we're basically bridging <laughs> all of these things. Yep. <laughs> um, but, and just for anyone listening, I'm a quick kind of catch you up. So I'm living temporarily in Denver, Colorado because two months ago, I was 27 weeks pregnant, um, for those of you who don't do the week thing, that's about six months, and I was on a layover at DIA, and I went into preterm labor, and I thought it was no big deal, Braxton Hicks false contractions, and I ended up having the baby here in Denver um, at UC Health, and so I've been navigating the most challenging black diamond of my life with my two pound three ounce son in the NICU for 60 days and and the word pace keeps coming to mind and when you talk about nature like, we don't have to intervene that much like it's fascinating to see what we are capable of doing as human beings even as adults dealing in this situation and sometimes the best strategy is to ease up, sister. Like, just ease up. You know, it takes so much energy to fight and to resist. And then we focus on that versus the allowing, the accepting. And it's it's just fascinating to watch, you know, hmm. anyway. I love that. And it, um, Emily Fletcher was doing her when I was going through her meditation course of the word that resonated the most for me. And now I see it kind of everywhere, you know, because which is all of us, I feel like are in this sense of it, the word that is kind of the access point, like the root point for meditation. You can pick three and I picked the one swaha, which means surrender and how much that has shown up over and over of like, yes, I live in this masculine energy and I don't know how to surrender. I don't, I don't surrender because I conquer. I know how to accomplish. I know how to do. And surrendering is like this, back to what you said, of like this ultimate embrace of feminine energy and just being and knowing that just being is enough because it is so tied into we don't have to intervene. We, nature knows what to do. And yet we go back to this like, no, I can control it. I can do it. But like, no, we're so small. We have no idea how to do this. So let it be. And that's the work that I've like really been like, God, it just feels like such a transformation. It feels, I feel like a new human from even just a couple months of doing this. Like even on a trail run the other day, I had like a butterfly fly into my mouth and I'm a huge believer of like signs and animals and what they mean and of course butterfly transformation and I'm like oh my god I get it I'm transforming I get it world <laughs> I'm accepting this um but yeah it's so good oh, it. so good to understand oh. that um and hear you say that <laughs> oh it's it's so cool that's it's interesting because in in my life I've had therapists and counselors and psychologists and all the life coaches and all those people and now I'm and it's been amazing however you know when when it comes down to like the life and death situation that I've been in the last couple of months who do I call my intuitive <laughs> who used to work on Wall Street by the way fascinating but it's like I don't even know that I need outside info. I just need to be able to dig in and hear what I'm trying to say. And she's just a mirror. And that word intuitive might throw some people in. The connotation has its own set of um, 
weight, but it has been the most helpful, transformative thing to, to really kind of get clear on what I'm trying to learn, mm. <laughs> what my soul is trying to teach me. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Oh, God, I love it. It's so good. And I think, so some background on you, and this is a quote that you said in also in your TED Talk that's just, I cannot get out of my head. I just love it. So I want to talk about it. You were the first female to hit over a million followers on Twitter, I believe. So being very in this world of technology and, you know, communication in a different realm. And we see this, we've talked, I think at this point with social media, there's enough people knowing that it can be used for good or for bad and it can cause health issues if we're on it too much and blah, 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 blah. But you've been in this way longer than any of us have. And you said this quote on TED Talk that said, um, be where your feet are. And I just felt like, oh my gosh, wait, oh, wait, think about that, Emily, like be where your feet are. And that power of presence that I think we have lost the art of. And I think I would love to hear your thoughts about that quote of just really what that means. Maybe it's changed over the years, but maybe it's just helping us be more present because I find that more than anything is with intuition. We, we do not know how to tap into it because we do not know how to be where our feet are. And that's kind of that first step. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. It's a really cool blend of, um, you know, the different worlds, the virtual world, the physical world, when we're in them, we don't think of them as being separate. However, some would argue they are. And my feeling is that energy is still in both. And so you can feel, um, you know, whether you want to call it resistance or whether you want to call it dissonance, just as much as resonance virtually as you can physically or in the, like, where your feet literally are, physical world. Um, and I think that that quote has really evolved for me. I look at it over the last couple of months and one of the biggest presents that Lincoln, my son, has given us is that, or at least me, is that the, the present of being present. Um, and I'm such a doer. Let's get that checklist out. Let's, <laughs> let's you know, monitor our worth based on progress and productiveness, which is wrong and we know it but I still find myself falling into that trap and I think with social communication um, it's such a, a world of, of play and sometimes pretend where you get to be another version or something mm. and if you are it might work for a little while but eventually that energy will come through and people can sense it from a mile away. Mm -hmm. So if you're not being where your feet are as you show up, whether it's in, on a social media channel, Instagram, or it's at a party or who knows, you know, in a meeting, people are going to know within minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, the people that, and, and clients that I've worked with, the, the big names in the world, they have a brilliance about being present that translates to these new channels because it's just communication. So it's amplifying what already exists. Um, and you can't fake it. You just can't. So it's, it's fascinating to see how energy is transferred through all mediums. Mm -hmm. and, um, and we're finding ourselves as a society in a zone of major fatigue and addiction with social. And that's a cocktail for drama, right? Yes. And it's so powerful. I mean, people get so frustrated with social, but it's really the humans behind it that are creating the feelings mm -hmm. and, the, and the use of it. So it's just a way to amplify what already exists. So That's a great, yeah. I've never thought of it that way. Like, especially, this kind of crazy reality world that I was in, reality TV world of like, that is exactly what it is. It's fatigue and exhaustion and 
feeling not heard, so being louder. And then all of a sudden it's drama and we can pick up on it so quickly, yet get consumed by it and not be able to name this feeling of anxiety we might be attaching ourselves to and understanding that it's coming from things that you don't even see, somebody else's fatigue or somebody else's exhaustion or your own fatigue linked with somebody else's exhaustion. Like it all just snowballs. I really like that perspective. Yeah. It's so interesting. I think about your background and how the first form of some of this was reality TV. I mean, real world. Yeah. I love, I, I was addicted full on because I just thought it was so fascinating to just peek into everybody's world. And that's exactly what social is. Mm-hmm. is you feel like you're getting glimpse behind the curtains, but you're also getting a performance. Yeah. Whether or not we're trying or not, you put cameras on anyone and they will behave a little differently than they, and that's not because they're wrong or inauthentic. It's just human nature. Right. And that, yeah, it's so funny when people say like, how long was it? There was always a number of months that they had to do before they got the content that would be actually aired because it took a month for people to finally say, I can't put the, I can't fake this anymore. If someone, if a camera's on me 24 hours a day, then at a month is when they were like, Oh wait, okay. This is my real me. There's like psychologically, there's only so much that you can mask. And I think some people obviously can do it longer than others. And there's always the exception of the crazy sociopath in the house. But for the most, for the <laughs> Which most, they seek. yes, totally. <laughs> Producer's job to find it. <laughs> but for the most part, it's like yeah, there is a cutoff where you there you have to just be who you are. And so that's what it's interesting about you know the social media is because. I just am curious with that pressure that when you start to feel that pressure and you ask me the same question, like when you start to feel that with pressure or when you feel that kind of sense of urgency, if it ever comes and maybe you're at the point where you're like, I'm finally at peace with it. But for our, my listeners, I, you know, I think all of us, whether, whether they have a brand or whether they just have, you know, their life that they're showing to their family and friends and like how do we avoid that pressure of if we are trying to share our life and use it for positive ways, what is the, you know, the loose solution of saying like, if we get to this point, we take some time off or we just limit our time or we just know how it makes us feel when we open it. And if it doesn't make us feel good, we don't open it. What are some of those guidelines that you kind of set for yourself or for the people that you work with? It's taken me a while and I think we learn what we need to teach. So gosh, I've, I've learned a little bit of the, the hard way, or I took the long way around the block in terms of, um, you know, that adrenaline being the only fuel I had. And I think adrenaline's okay and healthy at times, but when it becomes the only thing you have and you're running on fumes, danger zone. And that's how it was for me. I mean, I was on 210 flights in one year and averaging the four hours of sleep a night. It looks so fancy from the outside looking in and it's telling quite the story. I mean, I can story tell <laughs> play by play doing the cool stuff. And finally the outside didn't match the inside to the extent that there had to be another way. I mean, I forgot my name at one point and mm-hmm. just crazy things started to happen where health things or the universe was like, you have a purpose problem big time. And I really didn't know why I was doing what I was doing other than just chasing that carrot and then realizing I don't even like carrots. Like, what the <laughs> heck am I doing? Yes. Honestly, this is this is bad. I mean, we're talking relationships, my company. And so I, what I try to share now is that as someone who's been deemed a personal branding expert for the last decade plus, you really don't brand yourself. You are yourself. Mm-hmm. That creates the brand. So eventually, if you're telling an, a story that isn't in alignment with reality, eventually those two will start to conflict. And um, I think we don't even realize sometimes when that starts to happen. So 
you will connect and convert whether you're trying to sell something or get people to sign up or listen or whatever you're trying to do. Connections convert. True connections do convert. And that's something where you can take as many online classes as you want for social media or, um, you know, X, Y, Z tactics. But what's hard for most people is to start actually showing up and, and not caring so much about what everybody else thinks. Cause that's when you truly are yourself. That's when you've arrived and everyone I've worked with. I mean, some of the, the most famous individuals in the world, they've nailed that in a way that it's just a part of their DNA. They're themselves, no apologies. And it's, they're successful because it shows. You really cannot fake that. So it's sometimes undoing is the bigger lesson and undertaking than the learning or the trying to build. And so that's a lot of what I teach. I love that. Um, it's so, and we've talked about this a little bit too of kind of like the wise, you know, with an entrepreneur and with this need to kind of do and chase the carrot and express and uh, create, but also, you know, conquer, you know, all of it all in one under the word entrepreneur of this term psychotic ambition, which I'm just obsessed with. Who is the one that you interviewed? I want to make sure that oh. I link that as well. When that first, that term first came up. It's Molly Bloom. Okay. I, and she, um, I, gosh, are you familiar with that name? No. A lot of people aren't. Um, if you have seen, it, there was a, a big movie. I think it's called The Game. It's called Molly's Game. Um, oh, she's yes. She's an American entrepreneur. Yeah, that's Molly. Like oh, the original. Oh, shit. I love Jessica that. Jessica Chastain played her. <laughs> that was amazing. Incredible. And I just want to preface this for anyone listening. After Molly came on the Why Not Not podcast, and I thought that term psychotic ambition was pretty powerful. Tune in and powerful, right? I did hear a few mental health workers and advocates who feel that that term may not be appropriate. Fine. I think the essence and what we're trying to say is when you are so addicted to that ambition, right? And you're just fueled by the adrenaline and you're going, can't be stopped. Yeah. So regardless of what terms we use, let's not overlook we'll call what it we're trying to say. Frantic, <laughs> frantic ambition or there like, we go. Yeah. Well some there some we sort of scenario. Choose but a I, new adjective. Is that an adjective or an adverb? One it doesn't it, I think it depends <laughs> for me it feels like an adverb. I'm like, yes, like but it's chaotic ambition, but I, I guess I yes. will argue with the psychotic because it does feel like it, it consumes you. It takes over your being in a way that there is no other answer. And I've, I've experienced that so many times where I'm like, no, this is, I know deep down that this has to happen. And so then I guess maybe it's not a net, you know, a negative trait that we might associate that with. It's like, clearly you're just you feel something and you got to do it. And if you don't do it, you are denying yourself of something that was gifted to you from somewhere up there. It was put on your lap and you either do it or you don't. And kind of that big magic theory of if not, it maybe it moves on. Hmm. Right. And I do, I agree. I think it takes over to the extent where I remember sacrificing things that I didn't really think twice about, but there were big things in my life that mattered a lot, mm. but I was willing to, for example, I didn't go to my own grandmother's funeral because, and I don't even remember what it was, but it was something career-wise. And I was the only one out of 19 cousins who didn't go, but I don't even remember what the thing was. And that's mm. just the state I was in where my priorities were, you know, a bit out of whack and... I felt, yeah. So whatever word you use, yeah, it was. It's. I was intense. willing to sacrifice big things, even relationships. Mm. Yeah, like marriage, you name it. Yeah, and it's it's just it overcomes us, and I think that's maybe back to that brand thing of like 
if we're a person and a personality and we get too caught up and now I, as a person, am trying to promote my services, that's why I, as soon as I could, branched off and allowed kind of these other products to take that responsibility. I did not want to ever feel obligated, whether it was just my Facebook page or whether it was Twitter, to feel like if I didn't post about something, I wouldn't see the right, like the right people wouldn't even know about it, right? I didn't want to be obligated to raise awareness to something, which I think is what we see over and over. And the reason why social media is so taxing is what you said. It's like, you're a person. Never forget that you're just a human. And so many of us are trying to convert that into now the business, which it can be done, but knowing that weight that it carries and knowing when there's other ways to do it, whether, you know, branching off into another account or using another means to kind of take some of that burden off of you and at least just recognizing that it is so quickly a burden versus a passion. You know, it turns from like, I'm so excited about it, I'm passionate about it, but at some point that's going to just be weight that you have to carry if you feel forced to post about it or you feel forced to do something about it all the time. Like I, I think that's something that I see over and over of that cross between I'm just a person, but now I am trying to be that brand. So it makes sense what you said of just being yourself because the connection is, if it's true, it will convert no matter what you're talking about, no matter what you're posting about. You know, I think that's so valuable. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. And we can't, it's tough to scale human beings. I mean, that word gets thrown around a lot with romanticizing entrepreneurship, but it, it is a true, you know, when I, I talk about humanizing brands and we put so much equity into these logos that we build up. And at the end of the day, people oftentimes do want you. They, or they do want, you know, mm -hmm. Steve Jobs behind the Apple or the da-da-da behind the da-da-da. Whoever that originator is, that, that mastermind. But I think we have to remind ourselves we've got 24 hours in a day and um, they don't want robots. Too. So you can easily turn these communication channels into um, kind of robotic energy and then you're out. Yeah. People can sense that a mile away too. So it's, it's a funny dance and catch 22 sometimes. What has been your favorite, I guess, I know that you, this is so fun. I love that you have this Renegade brand boot camp for people that are if you are like, oh my gosh, I, this is whatever they're saying right now is relevant to me, which I think is so many people because they're trying so, like we want so badly to get our passion out there once we find it. Renegade Bootcamp, I think is amazing. And it's, you're so gifted in this place because you've been doing this. So um, I will make sure I link the Renegade brand Bootcamp below, but for people that are like, well, what about the purpose slash passion? Like I'm not even to that point. How does, you know, and I think, it's your story of I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and I'm chasing this carrot and I don't even like carrots. Oh shit, where do I go? Like, how do we go back to that core of what is it that I love? What is it that I do? What is it that I'm passionate about? And having that story, being allowed to give that story grace to change because I, I think it changes way more often than we're willing. Kind of how we latch on to a dogma and you know, it's whether it's a type of eating or whether it's a religion or whether it's a group, it's like, I'm this group and this is who I am and now it's my identity. And so to leave that is like betraying yourself, but to leave it is the most important thing to do because it means that we are evolving and, and we're changing and we're growing. So for somebody that might have had a passion and maybe isn't in alignment and it doesn't fit quite as well as it used to, or someone that has no idea what that even really means because they're just now letting their mind think that they could have passion and purpose outside of their career. Where do you go with that word, with those those two P words? Where do you start? Oh, so good. I just took a few notes because I'm like listening and I'm like, oh. Um, well, I think it was Martha Beck, who's like Oprah's life coach, who said, and she's been on the Why Not Now podcast, and it was just like listening to a saint. She, <laughs> she said before, if if you really want X, you're going to have to stop trying so hard in a way. And it's like, oh, 
stop trying so hard to find that passion because we get into an energy where we're trying to check something off of a to-do list. Um, so first of all, that just kind of came to mind, so I had yes. to share. But Oh, that's good. Oh, you're going to have to stop trying to <laughs> Oh, can I add this to my to-do list? No. Nope. Not this one. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I always suggest is dating ideas. I mean, or passions. Let's just start with passions. Let's not even start with business ideas. And so many of us had things that we loved to do when we were younger, and then we got busy and we haven't done them for years. And sometimes that innocence and that purity of when we were younger was directing us toward our genius. And then you interfere with all of these, you know, um, these different rules and walls and, and things that we add to it. But starting to think through what, what lit me up when I was younger. For me, dance would be one of them. Uh, you, know, you can name name your list off. And then if you want to put something on your to-do list, go take a dance class or go sign up for XYZ. And um, it doesn't mean that's going to be your next career. However, you may be exposed to people, new people that are like-minded, like-hearted, that allow you to think differently, a new tribe. Um, Even maybe it's one person that is that little tease and or like just next morsel of the puzzle. Um, And so you follow these along and it's amazing how when you try and force it, it doesn't work, but you let go and you just pace and ease up sister is what I usually say and date these different things. Um, The other thing I suggest is I realized this a while ago, like probably seven, eight years ago before my first TED talk. And it was where purpose, passion, and skill collide list resides. So I made up this fun little rhyme about it. It sounds fluffy, but actually if you draw out a Venn diagram, so that's like where three circles intersect, that, that middle part is your intersection. So I think sometimes we forget the skill component, you know, the purpose and the passion are important. My passions change. I mean, up and down and sometimes I'm in love with something and then sometimes it changes with my mood. Yeah. Purpose is a pretty sustainable fuel. Like if you're in a drought of passion or not too confident about a certain skill, the passion will probably, or the purpose will probably carry you through. And then skill is, you know, it's, it's one of those unique things where we all have ours and they might be disguised. Sometimes asking your friends and family, what am I good at? We forget and don't even realize what we're good at that's easy for us, that's difficult for other people. Mm-hmm. So if you can play in that zone of genius, which is like a Dr. Gay Hendricks term, but I so believe in it, it isn't as hard. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, with the Renegade Brand Bootcamp, for example, working with female entrepreneurs and having the chance to guide them down these black diamond mountains and do the difficult things, start the business, launch the podcast, do more public speaking, partnerships, whatever it is. That's when I feel like I'm almost cheating because it's it's easy for me and I get the most out of it. So when you're feeling that ease, like, shit, I used to struggle and ride on four hours of sleep just trying to force stuff. And now I realize, wow, when I corrected just a little bit in that intersection and finding those three together, it's not, it's fun. (laughs) It's rewarding. It's secretly not that hard, (laughs) right? It's your zone of genius versus your zone of excellence, which everybody loves for us to play where we're excellent because they think we're good at that. That doesn't mean it makes us happier. We find totally. Ah, I love that. That's such a great feeling too of like, wow, like I, I, it's this feeling that I've tried to name over and over and over again. And sometimes I am not as 
where my feet are. It's like, could be where I'm like, yeah, that was fine. It was kind of awkward, but more and more I'm like, does that person, does that conversation, did that podcast, did that interaction, did it make me feel drained at all? And if it did, I got to get it out. It's not, it's so simple sometimes to look at my calendar on the days that I'm exhausted at the end of the day, going through and being like, God, I'm really tired today. And sometimes of course it is hormonal or it's that cycle. And there, it could be because I skipped my B vitamins or, you know, there's always some things that are just variable, but for the most part, I can look and say like, that was really hard. Whatever I just did that hour I walked away from and I just felt heavy and I felt like I could cry. And I know some of those moments, they got, they have to happen, right? We have to sometimes have those hard interactions, but when they're consistently showing up on your schedule and you say yes to them because we think we should say yes to them or because we've never known how to say no to them, we didn't even know that was an option. Like the more I cut those out and that could be people, things, places, calendar events. And this is kind of back to that podcasting, like I, I, I need conversation. I can't interview because these interviews, I'm like, that was amazing. But I also am like, I don't feel that great after these, <laughs> you know, that's a problem. <laughs> totally. Hmm. Totally. Especially if it's not feeling you, it's probably not feeling fueling, you know, or feeling, um, for other people totally. either. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, I just recorded one where a friend and I turned on the mic and recorded and we just had a conversation and I think like a Joe Rogan, he's pretty good at that. And oh, I love Joe. Certain people where you just have to appreciate their ability to cut through the mic or the camera and it's as real as it gets. Um, and you also aren't fishing for company lines. Like I'm not trying to sell anything. You're not, mm -hmm. we're just, there's too much of it. We all see through it. All of it. I know. And that's such a gift. I love finding the people that see through it. Right. Cause it just means they're just one step. I think so many of us are like, well, we could be more intuitive. We could be more aware. We could be more whatever spiritual or in feminine, I think, but it also like, if you're noticing anything, you're so much further than you think you are. If you're catching on to things and you're picking up on things and you're trusting that intuition, there's just so much that there's so far that you can go with just that, uh, and respecting that and listening to it as much as we can. It's just, that's our duty, right? We have to do that when we're on this earth because we don't have a lot of time. So it's so important. Mm. Oh, totally. Mm. I love Absolutely. that. I love that. I would love to also talk about um, really quickly of the intention because that also has come up with me so much recently and feeling like I could do so much, so, so much when I just have the intention and I've just noticed that is an active thought. Like, how much of us are just living life and we don't have any intention behind it. And that could be from the exercise I'm doing of, okay, I'm in a class and they told me to do bicep curls. Cool. I'm going to do bicep curls or I perfect. This is on my calendar. I'm going to show up and I'm just going to be me, but understanding how powerful intention can be and knowing what your intent is and just your thoughts on intention in general. And I'll kind of just go off of that because I think regardless of where you are, whether it's business owner or entrepreneur or just trying to get healthy, it, that word can radically shift everything very quickly. And I just would love to know your thoughts on that word. Mm. Oh, that's the word is, uh, is it can sound light and, and maybe that it doesn't hold a ton of weight, but when I really started to understand that this word is a big deal was with an attorney because fascinatingly enough, is that a word fascinating? Mm -hmm. It is now, right? Um, I had my attorney, one, one of my attorneys back, gosh, it was probably 10 years ago. We were reading through a contract and I was like a little, I was considered talent. This was back before social media influencers, but it was with, it was with Chevrolet and she was explaining to me something that was written into this contract. And she said, the reason this is important is because if in a 
court of law, we were to have a situation, we would need to get down to intent. And I was like, ooh, what does that mean? Like, real like, intent, how do you prove that? And that's like, huh, attorney's jobs are to approve intent, right? Yeah. So then I was like, wow, intentions are important. <laughs> Analytical girl. Like, yeah. And then over the last 10 years, I realized, oh, there's, there's even deeper. But if you look at it even from a really black and white scenario, that's where it comes down to sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, what was the intent? So I realized it's, it is the root of something. Mm-hmm. And if we're not seeding something or, or if something's not coming from a certain, you know, intention, meaning a seed in the ground, mm-hmm. and then you water it you're going to get something different than a different intention. And so that might sound really like meta, but it was the attorney that really helped me understand the weight of that word. And it's so true because any kind of controversy usually is going to come down to, well, what were they really trying to do? Mm. Well, not what happened necessarily. It's more of let's dig deeper. Let's dig deep. So, um, yeah, it sets the course. I mean, that's the trajectory. Trajectory. So, if our intentions aren't in a place of alignment, then the whole game is off. Like ten years down the road, it could be off because of that seed. Um, and it comes back to a lot of what I do with storytelling. You know, your brand essence. We can see right through it. I mean, human beings have amazing radar with intention really do there's no fake in it (laughs) I love that too and I kind of just brought up for me and feel free to add your thoughts of this of how many people are creating like I think both of us can be considered like we love to create and we love to uh, help other people create and whatever that means in so many ways and so creating is it from this place of I'm creating from fear of lack. I fear like I will lack something if I do not create this. Or do I fear because I just am so obsessive that I can't wait to get it out into the world. And just that simple intent, are we creating or is our intention from fear or is it intention from this abundance and love source? And I know that's the woo-woo fear love thing, but it really can if you're having a hard time understanding what your intention might be. You can break it down and go to this level of like, even for working out, for somebody coming to the gym, okay, well, what brought you here? And so many times it's like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to get sick. I don't want to like hurt myself when I do X, Y, Z, or I don't want to get overweight, or I don't want to fear being overweight and not being loved. And it always goes back to this, like, I'm still doing it, even though it might be a good start, we have to get that to the other side where it's, I'm doing this because I love my body. I love what it can do. I love what it's capable of. I know it's worth this. It is a place of such, it's just such a different mindset that if we can get into it in any aspect and that that's something that I have to understand for myself with whatever I do, like what's the intention. And so often we, excuse the intention of fear because we can mask it in other things. And so under really being honest, it's like hard conversations with yourself that we just sometimes aren't willing to have, but can really radically shift everything. Mm. Mm. So true. It's, it's very primal too. Yeah. It's interesting. how. And um, do you mind if I share a quick story? Please. And it just, it just surfaced that, this had so much to do with intention. So um, with my background, I've had a, you know, a, a lifetime of struggle with body, body image and just um, partnering with my body, really. Mm-hmm. And, um, and as have a lot of people. And when Lincoln arrived, the day he arrived, you know, I was on a layover and I was headed to Palm Springs to meet my friend. And I had felt like, okay, something's off here. But I know for a fact the old me, who maybe hadn't done a little bit of work on herself, 
would have toughed it out and gotten on the next plane. Mm-hmm. And a journalist was interviewing me the other day, and she said, do you realize that because you listened to your body, you saved your son's life? And I was like, ooh, I was floored because I, I had not realized that. Um, but it's true. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have made it in an airplane. And he wouldn't have likely made it even in Palm Springs because we needed to be in a major, like right there. And it's interesting how we, you know, we have so many different reasons for what we want to do, whether with fitness or with body image or how we look and how we show up. Um, but if we can get down to that intention, where one of the first times I really partnered with my body and listened to it was because of look at look at the upside of this, right? Yeah. This is this isn't even a conversation. And so it's interesting how if when we get the right intentions and in alignment, how there's just there's not a lot of sway or guesswork. It's it's like there's one route here. It's right for there. this. <laughs> yeah, it's right there. It was just I don't I don't know if that even no. in context makes sense, but I was like, oh my god, oh, it makes so yeah. much sense. The old me would have toughed it out and just said, hey, I can make it. This isn't a big deal. There's no way this child's coming three months early. Yeah, and um, not listen, but. I knew there was something wrong and it was worth listening to. It's like, what's it worth to you? It was worth it. So here's my little story. I'm then. so glad you yeah. shared that because I think it's so what people recognize with the people doing the work of like, God, what is that confidence? What is that? Uh, what is that like drive? And what is that um, ability to not doubt? You know, like you are gravitated towards those people, and it's exactly what you just said. It's because there was no sway. There, it was. I just know because I'm listening and I'm here, and I, I am respecting that process in a way that, it it shows you the way. It shines the light, and there is no other. There's no detour. <laughs> oh, right. That was really powerful. Yeah. Oh. Letting me share. Oh, I'm so glad you did. And you were meeting Susie, right? And Susie came. I love Susie so much. Yeah, <laughs> yes. she's such a saint. So Susie Batiste, my friend and mentor, I call her my friend tour. Um, <laughs> we all need them. But yeah. she, we were texting and and she showed up before my husband was able to make it. So I had already had Lincoln, but she was the first to arrive and Talk about someone that's done a lot of work around understanding energy. Mm-hmm. And the work that I've done the last several years has been under the guidance of her. And so thank goodness. But it's amazing. I mean, yeah. I love it. I yeah. love it. Um, well, before, so I always ask my guests what their spirit animal is. Um, <laughs> but I also, I that's kind of like the thing you said about dancing. That's me and animals. I'm just obsessed with them since I was a little kid. So I've just fully embraced the spirit animals and uh, what what they are trying to show us, like the butterfly flying into my mouth. Um, and I pulled a card for you that I thought would be, I don't know if this is relevant or not, but I actually pulled the whale, which was my favorite. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, and it's wow. just – It's so you because it says – uh, desire to delve deeper, profound peace, ancient wisdom. The whale represents profound emotional health and stability. Whales are not afraid of emotional expression or traversing difficult terrain. They have overcome many challenges in their lives. These experiences have enriched them, given them stability, strength, and a depth that is rare. Whale energy is usually linked to the feminine forces of compassion and communication. We can depend on whale personalities when all else seems lost and trust them to be a beacon in our darkest hour. <laughs> wow. I'll send That's... you this because I feel like that was the whole conversation. <laughs> For sure. And you can't make that up. I mean, one of the things when you said that, I was thinking dolphin or whale. Um, oh. No, honestly, it's one of the most spiritual moments of my life was paddle boarding out in Southern California. And I got to paddle board with some blue whales. It probably wasn't that safe, but we, I was within 10, 15 feet. Oh I mean, my gosh, we were miles out. It was probably really dumb of us, but 
um, these people were experts and it was it was really really cool and oh my god it's neat oh. and, and they had GoPros so thank goodness we captured this because I don't think anyone would believe yes <laughs> that's incredible so I, every year I have an animal and last year was my year of the whale and there's a guy that his name's Stephen Farmer that he I did a podcast with that wrote um, Animal Spirit Guides book where he just has basically a book that says like what's it mean and all this really cool stuff and I talked to him about whale I'm like what is it about whale that I'm like you know I I like could cry just thinking about them you know what does that mean for my year and he said something so profound because I think I've always thought of it kind of I actually have a whale right here I always have thought of it in this like this kind of way where I'm breaching and mm -hmm. you know like this beautiful graceful creature breaching and I think that was this ego that I had of the switch of actually it's not the breach it's that you have to dive so deep and go and go and go and you were desperate for air and you need to get that air in order because you're about ready to do it again and I was like oh my god this is incredible like if am I willing to make that if you switch that story, it's not about the breach. The breach is necessary for those deep, introspective, insanely hard but worth it journeys that that I'm willing to go on. So, oh, I love that you're a whale. <laughs> what an awesome analogy, too. And it's so I interviewed Dan Reynolds from Imagine Dragons a while back, and he has that song "Lightning" or "Thunder." Oh yes, yeah, Thunder, yeah. Right? I and love I that song. Like light lightning before the thunder and so I asked him I was like okay this is what I made up that I think it's about is this true the lightning is that flash it's the breach right it's the everybody kind of just See a young gun look at me and he, he sings about that but what he really is talking about is how and that's some of it's a lot of ego look at me right the thunder that comes is the roar of like ground shaking. It doesn't even need the flash and it's that inner wisdom or the the deep dive. Mm. And that's exactly kind of what what a cool parallel with a whale that the only reason they're doing it is so they can actually the lightning is the thunder. And us humans think that the breach is so cool, but what they're doing down there is like much cooler. Ugh. Yeah. Yes, it's and not. We don't see it. We don't hear it. There's no whale ego going on. But isn't it interesting? <laughs> totally. So every time I'm like, it's just, oh, I love it. I love it so much. I'm like, I have to always have this. Like whales are all around my my little altar room because of that. It's like that. That was such a big lesson for me. Of like, they of course they're the the wisest of creatures, but um, anytime I feel like. I have this need to breach. I'm like, you got it all wrong. You have it all wrong. You, you gotta go. Let's go deep. And so that's so cool. Ooh. That is perfect. Oh, I'm to carry that forever. Mm. I'll carry that forever. That's so good. Yeah. Well, Amy Joe, I will make sure that I before you leave back home, um, I'm gonna come give you a big hug, and we will make sure that we connect again because. I just, I just love you. You're wonderful. And I think that everything you have going on is just so important. It's so important. You've been doing it uh, for a long time. So you're, it's so fun to see you're way ahead of the game that all of us need to learn lessons from. So besides the podcast, the Why Not Now podcast, your amazing book, Renegades Write the Rules, and then also the Renegade Brand Bootcamp. I'm going to link it all below. Everyone, please go follow Amy Jo Barton because you are just a gift. So I cannot thank you enough for making time to be on Meathead Hippie. Oh, you're the, you're the raddest. Thank you so much. <laughs> this has been fun. Thank you for making this a conversation. Yes, you too. More, for, more of that, please. Yes, oh. please. <laughs> Thank you, Amy. Thank you.